0: An announcement from SAA, which is a very big announcement. It's cancelling all of its domestic routes other than those between Johannesburg and Cape Town, which will be offered on a reduced basis. So the only SAA domestic flights as of the 1st of March will be between Cape Town and Johannesburg and fewer than they have been offering up until now they have also exploring the sale of some of the embattled airline's assets, according to the business rescue practitioners, and they have confirmed that staff cuts will have to be made. Um, the regional and international services between Johannesburg, Abidjan, Entebbe, Guangzhou, Hong Kong, Livingston, Luanda, Munich, Indola, and Sao Paulo will also stop as of 1 March. International services that will continue are between Johannesburg and Frankfurt, Johannesburg-London Heathrow, Johannesburg-New York, Johannesburg-Perth, and Johannesburg-Washington via Accra. Regional services which are going to be retained include Joburg to Blantyre, to Dar es Salaam, to Harare, to Kinshasa, to Lagos, to Longwe, to Lusaka, to Maputo, to Mauritius, to Nairobi, to Vic Falls, and Wintook. Wow, Rebecca, this is... It's big. Yeah, it is... I mean, how do you come back from this? I mean, how do you establish any kind of working airline on the basis of these few flights? I don't know.
1: I mean, I suppose Mango will still be operating domestically, which is something. But, yeah, it seems like a point of no return, John. I don't know.
0: Okay. Well, um, that's just happened. We haven't really had time to work through all the possibilities. This business of Jacob Zuma and how ill he is. um, Yes, You've written about it and you've been thinking about it a little more.
1: Yes. Do we have the right to know? how Jacob Zuma is doing health-wise? And the answer is obviously no, not in the abstract. We don't. He is a former leader of the country, but his health has no bearing on the current political situation, we hope, we assume. And he also has the right to privacy, as do as does every other citizen. So under normal circumstances, there's actually no reason why we should be interested in Jacob Zuma's health at all. And, I mean, I certainly wouldn't care. I don't care about F. W. Kleck's health either. I mean, it's just not a matter that should be of public interest, I think. And I think if journalists were going out of their way to try and report on what Jacob Zuma's health was independent of anything else, I also think that would be beyond the pale. But I think that what a lot of the critiques that we're seeing, I mean, we've seen the likes of you know Carl Niehaus, Batabile Lamini, etc., come out and say it's so disrespectful to be badgering Jacob Zuma about his health. I mean, it is missing the Crashing the obvious point that the reason it is germane is because he is expected in court. And if you don't go to court, you must have a good reason and you must provide medical evidence. Otherwise, I completely agree. Of course, it would be disrespectful to badger Jacob Zuma, 77-year-old man, about his health. But that really is not the point.
0: Your colleague... On Daily Maverick, mm. Pierre de Foss has an article at the moment where he refers to a constitutional court judgment. So that's as high as the courts go. Right. And the constitutional a- court in 2002 said that under certain circumstances, the court needs to be reassured that the excuse of sickness is valid and so is entitled to inquire into it, is entitled to ask the doctors to come and testify.
1: And as Pierre said, this has happened many times previously in the court, so it's certainly not the case that Jacob Zuma is been being singled out for exceptionally rough treatment. But it did get me thinking about this issue of politicians' health in general, which I think we can agree is... Often just shrouded by mystery. I mean, the, perhaps the most absurd example in our own country was, of course, former President Nelson Mandela, where the public was kept into the dark, in the dark right up until the last minute. But also, Robert Mugabe, you know, who was jetting off to Singapore for health treatment and two journalists. The
0: Nigerian president, who was still the Nigerian president and was in France receiving medical treatment for who knows what.
1: That's right. And yeah. the, the the Nigerian case was particularly alarming, actually, because two journalists were arrested in 2017 for reporting that Robert Mugabe was in, quote, bad shape after visiting Singapore. So there's this sense also that on the African continent, there's a particular sensitivity around African leaders' ill health. And I read an interesting... Opinion piece on this by a Nigerian academic at the University of Johannesburg who said that it is part of the impression African leaders like to give that the health of their countries is tied to their own personal health so that what ails the leader ails the state and it becomes a state secret. So some of that might be playing into what we're seeing around Zuma. There have also been suggestions that it is un-African, that it is contrary to African culture for anyone other than elders to be kept apprised of the health situation of an old person, which, again, I accept, except for the obvious point that there is a court case. But it got me also wondering about the international status of this issue, which is actually absurd, John. It's well known, for instance, that Woodrow Wilson, former American president, had a paralyzing stroke while in his second term of office. And... Um, His wife and his aides simply ran the country while nobody knew about it. Churchill had two strokes as well while in office and was said to have conducted a cabinet meeting days after one of them. And nobody noticed, even though he was paralyzed down one half of his body. I don't know what that says about Churchill's performance in cabinet meetings. But the point is, there is this widespread belief that if the public is kept up to date on what is happening with politicians' ill health, Somehow their trust about the country being in in safe hands will drastically deteriorate. I mean, do you think that's valid?
0: I don't I don't think I do. I I think as a citizen of a country I'm entitled to be reassured that the leader of my country is in A fit enough state to make decisions supposedly in the best interest of the country and its citizens. And if the incumbent is not well enough to do that, is having to have dialysis three times a week for six hours at a time, Mm. I think I'm entitled to know that. Am I not?
1: Uh, That that is the situation that now seems to have taken hold in the United States where presidential candidates are expected to release their health records to the media. In fact, when John McCain was running against Barack Obama unsuccessfully, he released 1,200 pages of health records to journalists to pour through. And even Donald Trump, we have had... Certifications which have been taken about as seriously as as Jacob Zuma's sick note, I should say, on the basis of of Trump's mental health. But there are many people who believe still that to require that level of scrutiny of anyone's health is just a fundamental invasion of privacy. Unfortunately, Zuma cannot claim that because, as we've said, it is a legal issue.
0: Uh, We will continue the conversation, Plan B conversation with Rebecca once we find out from Charlene what's happening on the roads. EWN Traffic. Thanks, John. Traffic slowing down on the elevated freeway with the travel time of 40 minutes to the R345, traveling from Newmarket to Jan Smuts Drive. And on Franz Conradi officials busy with the truck that lost its load on McIntyre. And Franz Conradi Drive is closed at the circle heading towards Belleville and the right lane on Franz Conradio at the circle towards Goodwood. I'm Shirley be in Traffic in 10 minutes. What fascinates you about a movie which is coming up starring Will Farrell and uh, Ju- Julia Louise Dreyfus?
1: It's called Downslide, and it's a remake of a 2014 Swedish dark comedy called Force Majeure. And the, the concept behind it basically is, can a relationship survive if you and your spouse have been in a situation of physical danger, and your spouse has basically absconded, leaving you to face the danger yourself. In this case, I believe it's an avalanche. The husband just flees in order to save his own hide. And then the marriage sort of has to (laughs) stutter on. But everyone knows what has happened and it becomes this terrible kind of elephant hanging over the marriage. And now apparently it's a kind of parlor game where you consider, are you totally confident that your partner, that your spouse, perhaps even your parent, would put themselves potentially at personal risk in order to protect you, to ensure your safety. What do you think, John? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I I don't know how... Uh, Of course, I'm going to say I'm pretty certain that I would try to protect my partner's life and safety or my children's life and safety, even at significant risk to my own. But push comes to shove. Who knows? People behave in unexpected... And, and nice ways
1: I think we assume that everyone's protective And loving instinct kick in But then you're fighting against also your own self-protective yeah. instinct Which is extremely powerful I mean, I know, John, to my horror That I have no faith in my own ability to do this Because I have been in situations with my wife Where there's been Not a huge threat, but um, a mugger A man on the street, and I was around that corner so You couldn't even see me for dust Abandoning my wife In that situation I,
0: I had a situation a couple of weeks ago Um turning into the driveway and there in the corner of the driveway was crouched a man and I think that he was waiting to go over the wall expecting the car to keep going straight down and so he hunkered mm. down into the corner in order to make himself as invisible as possible but we turned into the driveway and so the car's lights caught him and my instinct was to go towards him and confront him mm. and I was told he might and he put his hand into his pocket and I you know, was he reaching for a gun was he reaching for a knife mm. but I don't know my instinct was to go towards him and put my partner behind me. So I think that's a good instinct. I, yeah.
1: But I think also people get particularly, I mean, society gets extremely judgmental about this issue when it involves children, understandably so. So in, in Australia in 2005, there was this quite sensational case involving a father called Robert Farkerson who was ex- charged with murder after he had been driving a car containing his three sons, all under the age of 10. He claimed that he had had a fit of Syncope, I think it's called, where you suddenly black out behind the wheel. The car had gone into a lake and he had escaped the car and left the kids there. Now, the assumption many people made, which I think was correct, and he was convicted in the end, was that, in fact, he intentionally killed them. But his argument was that in the fit of panic in the lake, he simply got out. He left the kids. He admitted it was a terrible thing to do, but he was just fighting for his own life. And there was fascinating book written about this by journalist Helen Garner, who said that in the aftermath she had all these parents come to her and confess these like terrible secrets about moments where their children and them had been under threat and there was a moment where they thought Flip, I just want to protect myself. Like, I'm gone. The first instinct is to protect yourself rather than your children. And society judges you very, very harshly for that.
0: And I think correctly.
1: And I think correctly.
0: It's true. Good idea from The Guardian this week?
1: I like this idea, John. So many of us have to-do lists, do you? No. You don't. I don't either because I don't generally really have that much on my plate at at one time. But... um, And to-do lists can become very, very stressful. So the idea that somebody was quoted in The Guardian this week is suggesting is that at the end of a week, say on a Friday evening, you might want to pour yourself a glass of wine or have a nice cup of tea. And then you write instead your have done list. Now, this doesn't have to simply be your to-do list in reverse. It can also be the things you have accomplished this week, however small. So this week for instance my for me personally has not been a very good one. Professionally it's been quite frustrating. I haven't got as much done as I would like. But then I could write on my have done this things like I stood my ground.
0: (laughs) You're having to think a little (laughs) worryingly. I survived
1: a conversation with John Matham. I did not have any sugar in my coffee, which for me is a remarkable act of will. But the idea is that by writing down the things you did achieve, however insignificant they might seem, in totality, I think, they add up to probably more than you'd imagined, and it leaves you with a sense of accomplishment for the week that you might otherwise lack.
0: Or alternatively, you look at what you've done and think...
1: (laughs) What kind of a life is
0: this? <laughs> this, is, this is all I've done over the last week. I really do need to get another life. Really,
1: well, that really. too could be a useful message. But I live and hope, John, that the ultimate effect could be uplifting.
0: Okay. Um, and we've got another minute. So from Dale. Hi, John. There's a boy in my son's class who seems to find it difficult not to steal any form of hat. Is there a word for such an affliction? I told the parents that John would know. If there isn't, I feel certain that you would have some suggestions.
1: I have a suggestion. Lock that boy up. <laughs> <laughs> this little thug needs to go to I,
0: But I wonder why, how one develops a predilection for stealing chapeau. You know? it, is,
1: it is quite a posh, posh um, condition, isn't it?
0: Yes.
1: Hats only. Well, perhaps we should investigate. There is no word. There is no word, but we but should I, investigate. I,
0: there's a phrase, chapeau kleptomaniac. Or chapeau maniac or chapeau kleptomaniac? I don't know.
1: I think we should investigate what is it about hats because perhaps he has some, perhaps he has dandruff or some scalp affliction that he's trying to to cover and there's reason for empathy here, John. I'd like to think so. Well,
0: wouldn't he steal um, razors then and shave all his hair off because that would get rid of the dandruff as well. And it, he wouldn't have to steal so often.
1: It would. Where is you he only have stealing to
0: steal all these
1: ones. hats? <laughs> I, I, I mean, his parents' friends are the hat makers. What's going on? Something
0: like that. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank
1: you, John.